we're going to do is talk about something that means a great deal to me personally. And I believe the Lord, again, has been leading me to speak on this in the church. And on the, the, actually, the subject is the church, and more specifically, the purpose of the church. And there are many who question the purpose of the church. And I really want you to just listen closely in the, as I open. There are many today... Well, let me put it this way. When I say the church, don't assume what I mean, okay? That'll get you in trouble, all right? Let me just generically talk about the church. But uh, there are many today who, honestly, church attendance worldwide is lower than it's probably ever been. Well, I shouldn't say worldwide because I can't speak for the world, but I can speak for America. There is a lot of proof to show where church is in the minds and hearts of people, but There are questions like, well, why does it exist? Or is the church relevant anymore? There are many means to get information. Uh, There are many ways to get it. Some attend church out of tradition, others out of religious obligation. Uh, Some attend church because of fear. And what I mean by that is they're afraid that God will be upset with them if they don't go. There are many people who who attended church faithfully at one time, but with life's various responsibilities and other general distractions, they began to slowly move away from it until they let go altogether. There are many children who grew up in church. They attended and were involved until they became an adult and started to live on their own. Then they just began to let go of church, perhaps feeling that it wasn't relevant to them or important anymore or it wasn't doing anything for them. Then there are some who, for whatever reason, have come to a place that they don't see any reason to attend church, period. They see church as man's attempt to create organized religion and control people's lives. That's how they view it. That's how they see it. There are also those who did attend church faithfully. They were even active in church. They enjoyed church, but were hurt by someone in church. We might describe that as a church experience. Something bad happened. Perhaps they were disappointed in someone they looked up to who betrayed their trust. And so now that they've been hurt in church, they kind of view church as hypocritical or they view people in church as hypocritical. My desire over the next several weeks is to share what the scripture says about the purposes of the church. And I'm asking you to to keep an open mind because I believe it will bless you, it will help you but also it will help you relate to others. And also those listening on whether it be CD or on the web or whatever means, um, that they would again be open-hearted, open-minded, and allow the Spirit of God to speak to you. And that's what I'm asking you to do this morning. Can everybody do that? Amen? I mean, be open-minded. Don't assume you know everything. How many of you know you get a lot to learn, right? I may know some things, but i got a lot of room to grow. So today what we're going to do is begin to build a foundation for this series. And some of it might seem very elementary to some of you. Some of it might be profound revelation. In other words, you now understand something you didn't understand before. But I believe that we're going to come across this thing in such a way that I believe it will open a lot of our hearts and minds to see the big picture, okay? The way God sees His point of view. All right. So go with me to Matthew chapter 16. You can look on the screen. I'd prefer it because it's in the New Living Translation. Matthew 16, beginning with verse 13. 
And it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now, Jesus is referring to himself here. All right, He often referred to himself in Scripture as the Son of Man. So he's asking, What do people think in general who I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elisha, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say, talking to his group of disciples, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. Everybody say it with me. I will build my church. And all the powers of hell won't conquer it. All right. This scripture is the very first time the word church is introduced in the Bible. The word there that many of you are familiar with with the word church in the Greek is ekklesia, ekklesia. And what it means is to call out. It could be call out an assembly, a congregation. In other words, what it means is a group of people called out. Now, this is key to what I'm going to talk about today. So I need everybody to say, everybody say church, ekklesia. Say ekklesia, church, called out. A group of people. So what is church? A called out group of people. All right? That's what it is. All right? So I want you to, to get that big picture here. All right? So the church is, what the church is, is a group of uh, people called out. Now Jesus said something very clear that I want to hone in for a moment. He said, I will build my church. Whose church is it? It's the Lord Jesus, right? It is His church, and He said, I will build my church. I want you to understand that Jesus is the founder and the builder of His church, okay? It is His church. He is the boss man, all right? He is the head guy, the head cheese, so to speak, all right? Church is God's idea, not man's. It is a God idea. That's what Scripture is telling us, okay? A God idea. Man is involved with God, but the fact is God is the builder and continues to build, all right? In other words, what we could say is this. Jesus is the leader of the church. Jesus is directing the church. Jesus cares and provides for His church, all right? It is His. What is the church? The group of called out people, right? So the church is his. He is the builder. He's the leader. He's the director. He is the one who cares for it. He's the one who provides for it. In fact, the the Bible calls him the great shepherd, all right? And calls the church, the people in it, sheep, all right? Now, think about that. The great shepherd. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd protects the sheep. A shepherd leads and guides the sheep. The shepherd feeds the sheep, all right? So Jesus is at the center of the church. Now, what is the church again? The church is not a building. 
The church is people. The church is made up of a group of people called out from the world that Jesus gave his life for. All right. Look with me on the screen here. Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verses 22 and 23. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him, Jesus, head over all things for the benefit of the church. Who's the head? Jesus. Okay, he's the head. Everybody say it with me. Jesus is the head. All right. Now, why is he the head? What is it for? For the benefit of the church. Okay, is it to our benefit Jesus is the head? I'd much rather have Jesus than Larry, right? I'd much rather have Jesus than myself. Even me, I'd get us in trouble, all right? Thank God Jesus is the head, all right? He's, he's the one leading, guiding, directing, all right? Controlling, so to speak, um, maneuvering. Now, and when we look at this, uh, let's read it again, Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and made him... Jesus, head over all things for the benefit of the church, and the church is his body. And the church is his body, okay? How many of you have a head? Raise your hand. All right. How many of you disconnect your head from the body? You can't, can you? All right. In other words, your body goes wherever your head goes, right? Did you ever notice you didn't have to say, body, come on, right? Your body just goes wherever the head wants to go, right? Wherever you're going to go, your body follows along. What is the body supposed to do with the head? We're supposed to follow the head, right? We follow the instructions of the head. The head is leading, guiding, directing the church, who is, which is what? His body, okay? Is Jesus complete without us? That was a question. Is he complete? Well, let me ask you this, Jack. Are you complete without your body? No, right? Your head is wonderful, but you can't go anywhere without your body. Right? The head directs, but the hand still has to come up and open the door. Right? Am I right? Jesus is the head, but he's not complete without the body. He's limited without his body. Right? Well, isn't the body limited without the head? Absolutely. Right? I mean, your body is great, but if it didn't have your head to give instructions, you're, you're in trouble. I mean, <laughs> I mean, think about it now. I mean, we, don't, we, we need to stop and meditate. Why did God use this illustration? Why did he use the head and the body? So we could understand the relationship, the connection, what's going on between us. So again, the church is not a building. The church is people. The church is made up of all those who were called together under Jesus. That is the church, okay? Now, sometimes we refer to this as the church universal, meaning that every person who has ever accepted Jesus as Lord, all right, has understood who he is, okay? That includes, by the way, the Old Testament. Because remember, the Old Testament was in, where, where were they? And I don't want to get off here. They were in Abraham's bosom, those who believed in the Lord. And remember, Jesus went and preached reconciliation to them. He told them who he was, and he explained the plan of salvation. And guess what? They said, yay, let's go. 
Jesus is head. Amen. Jesus is Lord. And they are part of the family. Okay? Some of you are like, I didn't know that. You know? Well, Jesus didn't abandon everybody in the Old Testament. I mean, they're all in heaven now, too. The ones that have accepted Jesus as Lord. Okay? Now, you have everybody, billions of people, that are part of the body of Christ, okay, that are what? The church, who is what? The called out ones, right? Those who are called out from the world or those that have accepted Jesus. That's what the body of Christ is. That's what the church is. All believers together make up the church, the body of Christ. Is everybody with me so far? I haven't even touched the local church. I'm not talking about the local church. I'm talking about the church, okay? Whose church? Whose church is it? Jesus' church. Who's the builder of that church? Jesus is the builder of that church. Who's the leader of that church? Jesus is the leader of that church. Who's the head of that church? Jesus is the head. Does the body do anything without the head? Right? But the head gives instructions to the body. The body don't give instructions to the head. The body basically asks permission. The head says, okay. Right? That's how it works with you. you know? And so your head gives instructions. Your head is the leader, the guider, the director, the master control center, so to speak. And then we get down to the body that takes its instructions from the head. All right, the leader, the guider. Does the head, let me ask you this with your own body, does your head usually make good decisions for your body? Well, what I mean is, your head looks at the stove and says, that's hot. Ow! You pull it off. Now, when you were a kid, you might have done that. Because I wanted to see what it felt like. But guess how many times you did that afterwards? Unless there was something wrong with your head... That was the one and last time you were ever going to do that, right? So what does your head do for your body? It sees things that your body might not, no, that's not good for you. No, you should stay away from that. No, this is really good for you. You should eat that. You should do that, right? Your body is, with its head, is there a lot of lag time between these things? Not really. It's almost virtually instant in all things. It just knows what to do. How many know Jesus knows what he's doing? He knows what he's doing. And if we would just trust him and flow with him, life would be better because he knows what to do. But here's the problem. In our case, the body doesn't have to obey. Now, in a human, what do we call that? For example, let's say a guy is paralyzed. His head still works. He can think, he can see. He might even be able to talk, but his arm won't do what it's supposed to. His leg won't do. He's sitting there thinking about it, but it won't do it. Everybody get a picture here. Is there part of us in the body that could say, no, I don't want to do my part, Lord. Now, what is he going to have to do? He's going to have to find somebody else willing in the body to do it. Would the Lord do anything that would harm the body? It's his body. What does the Bible say? He cherishes his body. He takes care of his body. Why? Because it's good for him. It's good for everybody. It's good for the whole body. And you see a wonderful picture here of the body of Christ, how it's important that we obey. It's important that we do our part. Now, I don't want to spend too much time on that, and we'll get into that, but it's very, very important. The fact is, though, 
all believers together make up the church, the body of Christ. Okay. Now, I want to ask this question. We've asked, who's building the church, right? Who's building the church? Jesus. What is the church? A group of people called out, right? That is the church that Jesus is the head of. Now I want to ask, who are these people that are called out to be part of the church? See, there are people who really do believe that the Lord has maybe a predestination thing going on that you're called, you're called, you're called, but not you. There are people that believe that. There are people that believe all kinds of wackadoo things. But what I think we ought to do is do something spectacular and look at his word. What does he have to say about it? Okay, So who are these people that are called to be a part of the church? All right, And to answer that question, I believe we need to look a little closer at Jesus. Because remember, who's at the center of the church? Jesus. In other words, here's Jesus and the church orbits around him. Everything comes back to Jesus. So what we got to do is look at Jesus to find out the answer to this question. Remember, Jesus said, I will build my church, right? It's my church and I will build it. He's the founder, the builder. So let's start with, why did Jesus come? Because remember, we're looking at Jesus, right? So look with me on the screen here. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. This is the English Standard Version. And it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that in order that the world might be saved through Him. Now let's read it one more time, that everybody's looking. All right, Follow along with me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Alright? Who is it saved through? Jesus. Alright? Now, He came, why? He came motivated by love, wasn't He? For God so loved the world he gave what does the world represent people it represents all the people in the world so in other words he came because of love he came because of people the people in the world needed help they were in trouble because of sin the people of the world were lost in sin separated from the life of god and jesus came to save the people of the world how many of them all of them Everybody say all of them. See, when the Bible says God so loved the world, what is he saying? Everybody in the world. Everybody. It wasn't the planet he was concerned about saving. It was the people in the planet he was concerned about saving, right? Amen? He loved us. Now, I want you to think about this. Let's look at a a few scriptures. If you want to write them down, we're not going to show them on here. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, all right? says that Jesus took our place, essentially, all right? In other words, we were the ones lost in sin, all right? We were the ones in trouble. Everybody tell me, what is the wages of sin? Death, right? The Bible says in Romans, the wages of sin is death. Death must be paid. 
because there is a debt there. The wages of sin is death, and that has to be paid. So Jesus steps in, and what does he do? I'll pay the bill. I'll take care of it. I will become your sin. I will pay the price for you, everybody in the world. So he went to the cross. He died. He went to hell. He gave his life. He was raised to newness of life. And the Bible says when he was raised to newness of life, we were raised to newness of life. In other words, that he paid the price. The debt was satisfied. The claims against us were paid in full, done. By our means, no. There's nothing we could have done about it. But 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us that he became our sin and he gave us his what? His rightness with God. In other words, he gave us his connection with the Lord. Man, I tell you, that is such a wonderful thing. That is the story of the gospel. 2 Timothy 2.4 says, God desires all men. Everybody say all. All men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Does all mean all? If we look up the Greek of the word all, what are we going to find? All. <laughs> all means what? Nothing left. All. So does God want all men to be saved, right? Everyone. And he paid the price for everyone. And then we read in Second uh, Peter 3, 9, that God is not willing that any should perish. God is not willing that any should perish. He doesn't want anybody. Why did Jesus come? He came to what? Save the world, right? This is a simple gospel message, but it's something we need to get a hold of because we've complicated things too much. All we need to do is say, listen to me, your life's a mess because of sin, and Jesus sets you free. And all you need to do is receive him. And God desires all men. Doesn't that help someone to know that? Doesn't it help someone to know that he loved the world, everybody in it? Doesn't it help them to know that God's not willing that any should perish? He does, is God a good God? Did he cover everybody? Amen. So in other words, that's what we want to share. That is the message of the church. Because remember, what is the church? The group called out. Amen. So let's continue here. Jesus came because of love. He came to save us from perishing. He came for everyone, to save everyone. He came for the sick and depressed. He came for the hurting. He came for the abused. He came for the addicted. He came for the lost. He came for those who look good on the outside but are dying on the inside. He came for those who had questions, seeking a reason for life and a purpose for life. He came for those who had seen nothing but death and heartache and misery in life. He came for everyone. Say it again. He came for everyone. He came for everyone. How many of you know that we fall in there somewhere? Amen? We fall in there. And guess what? He came for us. Romans 5.8 tells us, But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Man, I tell you, that right there, if you just meditate on that and ask God to reveal His heart to you, it just makes you explode in gratefulness. That even when I would have... Listen to me carefully. You nailed Him to the cross. I nailed Him to the cross. I whipped him. You understand that? I put the nails in his hand. I put the nails in his feet. I put the crown of thorns on his head. I put him in hell. 
And when we understand that, well, I would never have done that. Listen, you did it. Why? Whether you realized it or not, you were in sin. You were on your way to hell. You were going to be born to die. And Jesus came and stepped in, even while you would have spit on him and said, crucify him. He gave his life for you. Man, I tell you what, that makes me love God so much more. Amen? That even in the middle of all that, he showed me what? Grace and mercy in my stupidity. (laughs) Scripture also tells us, listen carefully, that Jesus didn't come to condemn us, did he? He didn't come to point out our faults. He came to lift us up, to set us free. He came to bring people back to God, not point out why they're separated from Him. I want you to write this down if you don't write anything else down. Jesus came because He loved us so much He couldn't help Himself. Jesus came because He loved us so much that He couldn't help Himself. Man, that touches me. Scripture says that Jesus is the exact image of God. Jesus said in John 14, 9, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Right? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus, you've heard me say this, is another way of saying, Jesus was a a 3D image, so to speak, of the Father on the earth. He came to show us the heart of the Father. See, back then... And even now, we look at the Old Testament, and God the Father looks like He's always just smacking us for doing wrong. He's always just pounding us and pointing out our faults and weaknesses and and looking for a way to, to slam us down. But that's not the case, because Jesus didn't do that. Jesus came to show the heart of the Father, His heart towards people. What is God's heart toward mankind? He loves us, for God so loved The people in the world, He gave His only begotten Son. How many of you would give up your Son for anybody? Anybody. Anybody. You wouldn't. But God did. He gave, I mean, He gave up. And think about this. His Son was with Him how long? They've never been separated. Jesus never knew a time without the Father and without the Holy Spirit. That's why on the cross, he cried out in agony, why have you forsaken me? In other words, to him, everything went dark on the inside. He had never experienced that. He had never experienced separation from God. And it just killed him. He just lost it right there. How could you do this to me? In other words, he just lost it. Now, he still remembered why, but it shocked him so much, we don't get it. We don't understand the price that he paid taking that price for us when he didn't owe any of it. You know, he could have just started all over again. Man, Adam, you goofed up. Let's draw a new earth. (laughs) Right? I mean, he could have, but he didn't. Jesus said himself, remember in the garden when the devil was tempting everybody? And and, and, uh, Jesus said, Listen to me, could I not have called legions of angels and wiped the whole thing out? That means he could have. If Jesus would have called and said, angels, do the job, he could have wiped the earth out in 12 seconds. Just wiped every human being off. And just said, that's it, I'm starting over. But he loved us so much, he could not help himself to pay the price and do what he did. That's what helped him go to the cross. He saw the end. What was the prize 
when it was all said and done. You and I. We were the prize that he saw. That's what he kept his eye on. Everybody say, I love Jesus. <laughs> now listen, what is God's heart towards people? Mankind. He loves us. He sees you and you and you and you and you as valuable and precious. You may look at yourself and feel worthless. You may have thought at one time, you felt worthless. Why am I here? What's going on? But see, in God's eye, you are valuable. You are precious. He wants to know you. He wants a connection with you. He wants a relationship with you. Just like a, a, a normal dad would want with his, his children or a normal mom. He wants it even beyond that. And the wonderful thing, he knows is inside and out and still wants to be our friend. Still wants to be around me. Is there anybody in life that you would fully, 100%, fully be transparent with in life and you'd think they would still love you? That's why we don't tell everybody everything, even our spouses. We don't share every single intimate thought. Why? Because we feel like maybe they wouldn't love us anymore. Maybe they would judge us. And yet God knows everything about you and still wants to draw near you. Man, I tell you, he's so good. He's, oh, I tell you. Oh, man, I, oh, God is good. Amen. Who are those? So with everything I just told you, who are those who are called to be part of the church? Who are those? The simple answer is everyone. That's what we just read. That's what we just went over. It comes all the way back to John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So in other words, everybody's called. Everyone can receive the free gift of salvation provided by God through Jesus. But not everyone will. But it is available to everyone, is it not? Everyone. Everyone. Everybody say everyone. That means, even in our mind, we think, well, surely not Hitler. Absolutely, everyone. 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 Everybody say everyone. Everyone. There's no one he didn't pay the price for. There's nothing they could have committed in life that the blood of Jesus wasn't more powerful than. Amen? There's nothing. And so we need to understand, everyone is called to the church that Jesus is builder and founder of and is still building. Everyone is called. Amen? Isn't that good news? No one's left out. No one can say, well, God missed the mark on me. You know. And there are people, guys, who don't know this. The devil has deceived them. Like I said, they think that somewhere in their God predestined things, and it's like a lottery. You know, I mean, maybe he shook a bottle and then whatever numbers came out, they're the ones that are going to have this kind of life and these are the ones going to have that kind of life. No, everyone. Amen. Everyone. Everybody say it again. Everyone. So here we have so far what? We have Jesus is the builder and designer of the church, right? The church is made up of a group of people called out. Who are those that are called out? Everyone. Everyone. And everyone that is part of the body of Christ is the church, okay? Or we could say the church of the Lord Jesus, that's what it really is, the church of the Lord Jesus. Sometimes we can get lost in a name because of a denomination and get, you know, people think, well, but the reality is it is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, church, 
okay? It is his, and that is his body, and he is the head. So I'm going to ask a simple question. I know most of you know the answer to, but we're going to go over it anyway. How does someone become a member of the church Jesus built? All right? Because isn't that what's really all about? See, there are people, guys, that have died and on their way to hell screamed out, but I'm a member of the Baptist church of so-and-so. That ain't going to buy you anything other than, you know, you wrote ink on a paper. I mean, what do we need to be a member of? We need a member of what? Jesus' church, right? Everybody understand? That's what we want to share with others. It's not about being a member of our church or someone else's church. It's whose church? Jesus' church, right? The called out ones, all right? What we want to do is call out some more people. We want to let more people know. And, but the question is, how do I become a member of the church Jesus built? Well, we've got to remember, first of all, that Jesus came and gave his life so that we could receive the life of God. In other words, Jesus came because he loved you. He loved me. He didn't come to condemn us. And we need to understand this, that Jesus will take us just as we are. All right? In other words, there are some people who say this, and I know someone, and I've met several people actually that have said this, that I'll go ahead and get serious about Jesus a little bit later in life. I've got to get my act together, though. I've got to fix a few things in my life. And here's the problem. There's nothing you could ever do to fix that. In other words, you'll not even really be able to fix yourself without Jesus. So you come to Jesus as you are, just with whatever baggage, with whatever garbage, with whatever problem. You come to him as you are. That's what you need to share with others. It's not about changing. Your life will change after you become a member of Jesus' church. Amen? The head will see to it. (laughs) The head will see to it. But what we want to do is invite them to be a member. Well, what do we do? Well, first of all, we let them know that you'll never get good enough to receive the membership into Jesus' church. It can't happen. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, God saved you by His grace when you believe. Look with me closely. For God saved you by His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. In other words, what this scripture is saying is salvation that Jesus, that was provided by and through Jesus, all right, is a free gift. God did all the work, He did everything, and there's nothing. You can do to earn a free gift. How many know, isn't that the term free? Now in our world, haven't we realized in this world, nothing's really free. Haven't you guys noticed that? You'll see free. Well, it's free after you give them your name and your address and your phone number so they can contact you, right? But it isn't free. Free is what? Free. I I said, Jack, come here, and I hand him a 20. It's free gift, Jack. No strings attached. You never have to pay back, never have to do a thing, it's all yours. That's a free gift, right? But in the world, we don't really see that. There's always a catch. There's always a string attached to something. But with Jesus, he is a free gift. There's nothing you can do to earn a gift, a free gift. 
There's, all you do is what? You, you what? You receive it. You take it, right? That's what the word receive means. Take it. You just take it. You just accept it, all right? So we see this, that we understand that we need Jesus. That's what we help other people with. And there's nothing you can do to earn your way to God. Jesus is a free gift. You don't earn or deserve a free gift. You just receive a free gift. How do I receive this gift of Jesus? How do I receive him? How do I become a member? Well, you call on Jesus, the builder of the church. If you want to write down Acts 2.21, says, And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls. In fact, everybody say it with me. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Okay, that's what the Bible says. There's a lot of people on the last breath of their life that realized I missed it and just cried out to Jesus as they were dying. And guess where they probably landed? Right in heaven thinking, dear Lord, I made it. I mean, they were shocked and surprised probably, you know, because they never knew anything or they ignored everything. But if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. And when you call like that, you got it, your heart's got to be in it. You can't just say it, well, Jesus, you know, and not mean anything. And you're just saying it because it's words. No, you've got to believe in your heart and say with your mouth. But usually under those circumstances, a lot of people quickly believe. (laughs) When they realize this is it, is hell real, heaven real? (laughs) And they're getting right down to it. And something inside, deep inside, when they're that close to death, says hell is real. Hell is real. I mean, you know, Stephen Hawking, all the way up to his death, barked about how there is no God. You think that he believes in him now? If you listen to me, Jesus is Lord. Say it with me. Jesus is Lord. You can believe him now or believe him later. But one way or the other, you're going to find out. And I'd rather find out on this side. Amen? Because you only get a choice on this side. While you're in this physical body, you have a choice. Once you're out of this physical body, you lost that choice. You're going wherever your spiritual family is. And if your spiritual family is in heaven, you're going to heaven. If your spiritual family is not, you're going someplace else. It's that simple. But the fact is this. How do we receive the gift of Jesus? How do we become a member of the body of Jesus? Well, we call on Jesus, the builder of the church. Romans 10, 9, 10 tells us, if you openly declare, you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. So in other words, what do we do? We believe in our heart and say with our mouth. We declare, we call upon the name of the Lord. So how does someone become a member? How does someone receive Jesus into their life and become a part of the body or the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, what we do is we act on the word of God here. We do this. Now, sometimes it can be done formally, like in a church or in some evangelistic meeting where it's a formal environment. But how many know you don't need to get formal with God? In other words, if you're just alone, if someone is just alone, or you're just with them, and you're sharing with them, and they're hurting in life, and you tell them life doesn't have to be this way. There's a better way. And is, the way there is through Jesus. And, and you share with them, would you like to have a better life? See, you don't have to explain everything to them. What does the gospel mean? Does anybody know what the word gospel means? 
The good news. The good news is you don't have to die and go to hell. The good news is you don't got to be broke no more. The good news is you don't have to be sick anymore. The good news is all these good things. But how do we get there? Jesus said what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way to the Father without me. You have to go through Jesus. He is what? The builder of the church. He is the gateway to the church, the body of Christ, those called out ones. And so if we want to be a member of his church, how many want to be a member of his church? How many are a member of his church? Amen. Then we go through him, right? We receive him. So let's, let's say, for example, you have someone and you want to lead them. Let's all do this together. You ready? I want you guys to confess with me. So let's say I'm leading you. All right. We say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you, to come into my life and forgive me of my sins. I believe you died for me and rose again to give me new life. Right now, I turn from the way I've been living and I open my heart and life to you. I confess you, Jesus, as the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Now, I tell you what, was that easy? Now, don't push off someone without them realizing that now you are what? You are giving your life to the Lord. This isn't a game. This is serious business, right? We're talking about life or death. I mean, literal life or death. And so we don't just say, all you got to do is say a little prayer and zap, you're in heaven. Because that's the way sometimes it is preached and taught. And that is wrong. That means there's no commitment. There's no laying down your life. Remember that what we're doing is we are new creations in Christ, letting go of the old life and going on and pressing towards a new life. Amen? But once we lead someone into that and they believe in their heart and they say with their mouth, here's the wonderful thing, we say congratulations, welcome to the family of God. You are now a member of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, you are a member of His church. Everybody say His church. Is His church a building? No. It's, say it with me. So put your hand right here and say, I am the church. Amen. You are the church. All right. We are the church. All right. And they become part of the church Jesus built that He is the head of. Amen. Anybody learn anything today? Now, I told you I was going to come land this plane a whole different view. And for some of you, it might have been a very unique view that I never really thought about it that way. But you'll notice we did not emphasize the local church. We did not emphasize religion. We did not emphasize anything other than just look at the Word of God and take it for what it says. And aren't you glad, again, you're part of His church? Amen? I'm telling you what. And it's amazing to me that Jesus can run his church and deal with us all at the same time. Every single last. He meets every need of every single one of us every time. Amen?